In these closing moments before we conclude our service, I want to talk about the Christmas before Christmas. And I'm not talking about what my wife and I will do. We will go to Dallas, and this Tuesday night, we'll meet with our daughters and their husbands and our little grandchild, and we'll sort of have Christmas before Christmas Day, at least. It'll be Tuesday night for us, not Saturday. But I'm talking about the Christmas in the Bible before Christmas. This will be 700 years before what I'm going to call our Christmas. Our Christmas is Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus being born and the wise men and the shepherds and King Herod. That's our Christmas story. But 700 years before that happened, there was another Christmas story. Now, I'm going to tell the story and give you four quick takeaways before we stand and sing a closing Christmas song But every good story needs uh, probably a bad guy and a good guy, right? So we've got a bad guy in Isaiah chapter 7. He's a king, actually. His name is Ahaz. Ahaz is a king in Jerusalem. And uh, like King Herod, who lived in Jerusalem, he was a bad guy. Herod was the bad guy in our Christmas story. And both Ahaz and Herod, they were wicked. They were paranoid, as we'll see, with Ahaz incredibly fearful And both Ahaz and Herod were known to have killed some of their own children as well as the children of other people, like Herod killing the babies in Bethlehem in our Christmas story. The bad guy is Ahaz, and he's in trouble. And he's in trouble because there are two kings north of him. And uh, one of the kings far north in Aram is where Syria is today, and the other is in northern Israel. It's just going to be called the king of Israel. And verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 7, when Ahaz, the son of Jotham and son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, that's where Jerusalem was, King Rezan of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramalia, king of Israel, these two northern kings marched up to fight against Jerusalem where King Ahaz was, but they could not overpower it. So here's the picture. Two kings north of Jerusalem are coming down on King Ahaz in Jerusalem. What complicates the story is that the reason they're coming to knock Ahaz down and teach him a lesson is because Ahaz will not partner with these two northern kings to come against the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were like incredibly violent, vicious people. Crucifixion, in fact, came from originally the Assyrians. And, and the Assyrians were a threat to everybody. And King Ahaz down there in Jerusalem would not partner with the two kings north of him to counter the Assyrians. So that's why they're upset and they're coming down to get King Ahaz. But to thicken the plot, at the same time, under the table... King Ahaz is paying off the Assyrians to help protect him. So it's quite a mess. And verse 2 says, Now the house of David was told, Aram up there up north has allied itself with Ephraim or Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. In other words, they were just terrified. They were shaken like leaves in a wind. They were, they were panicked. And now it's time for the good guy to step into the story. Here's the good guy. He's a prophet. His name is Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet. And he becomes God's messengers. I think the good guys in the Christmas story 
were also the messengers of the Christmas story. In fact, the word angel means messenger. And the angels came and gave God's message to Joseph and said to him, fear not. And to Mary, said to her, fear not. And they appeared to the shepherds around Bethlehem in our Christmas story and said, fear not. Here comes Isaiah, and he's going to come to King Ahaz and in so many words say, fear not. He's God's messenger. And we read about it in verse 5 of Isaiah 7. Aram, Isaiah says, Aram, Ephraim, and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin. He's saying this to Ahaz. These guys in the north, they plotted your ruin. They're not, they're not going to take good care of you. They plotted your ruin. So, so they, their plan is this. Let us invade Judah and let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves. Judah was where Jerusalem was, where King Ahaz was. Let's tear it apart. That's what they're saying. And let's make the son of Tabeel king over it instead. Next verse. Yet, Isaiah says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It won't happen. It won't happen. In other words, fear not. <laughs> For verse 9, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And we don't think Ahaz has any faith. He's rejected depending on God. He's paying the Assyrians under the table He's leaning on other powers within our world to do what only really God can do. He's turned his back on God. He doesn't deserve this. There's no explanation for it. But the prophet, the messenger from God, comes and says, fear not, Ahaz, because it's not going to happen. I'm going to take care of you. But if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. That's a good word for every one of us. And, you know, you may not feel like you have much faith and it looks like Ahaz almost had no faith, except he's trembling like a leaf. He's panicked. And sometimes even fear begins to at least open the door to faith, to trusting in, in maybe God's grace in a way that everything else is going to fail us, but maybe he won't. The door might be cracking open. And so Isaiah says, stand firm in your faith or you will not stand at all while we scratch our head and wonder where that faith is in Ahaz's life. But thank God he gives us the benefit of the doubt. I don't know what ends Jesus is at, at, taking to get your attention and to cause you to be, be uh, disappointed about everything else and what they can do for you in this world and finally look to him. Ahaz may be on the edge of that. And then comes the Jesus moment in this Christmas story 700 years before our Christmas story. This is the Jesus moment. Verse 10, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz through Isaiah. Again the Lord sent him a message. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. In other words, Ahaz, as a sign that God's going to keep his promise to protect you, even though you're a jerk, you may even want your faith to be bolstered here. What little faith you have that you need to stand on. Let God help you here. Let him give you a sign that he's really gonna, going to keep his promise when he says to you, fear not, I'm going to protect you. So ask for a sign, whether it be in the deepest depths or the highest heights. I mean, you name it, Ahaz, and God will do it just to bolster your faith. 
And at this point, Ahaz has a fit of religious hypocrisy. Ahaz, what's he going to do? Because his back is against the wall. He's rejected this God already. And he's depending on the Assyrians as opposed to opposing him. That's why these armies are attacking him from the north. I mean, this guy is, is like in a catch-22. His back is against the wall. And how's he going to get out of it? He, he de decides to play the religious hypocrisy card. Why not? I'm going to be hypo uh, hypocrite. And so Ahaz, we're told, said, oh, no, not me. I would never do something like that. I will not ask the Lord. I mean, I would never put God to the test. And he twists an Old Testament uh, command that said you shouldn't tempt God, you shouldn't test God, but that's something totally different. But all of a sudden, he sounds like this real righteous person. Oh, I would never test God. I would never do so. I'm, I'm too good for all of that. And I, I wonder, you know, it just sounds like Herod, right, with, with the wise men. Oh, would you tell me where the Christ child is born when you find him so that I may go and worship him? Yeah, right. And you know what? There's not one of us in this room that's not beyond hypocrisy and playing games with God. But God doesn't want to play games with us, and he sees right through our religious hypocrisy. So the, Isaiah, first of all, has to sort of slap him on the cheek. Isaiah said, next verse, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? I mean, it's bad enough. Some of you are going to try the patience of your family members, I'm sure, as you bring up politics at the Christmas table. That, you know, isn't it enough to try the patience of people? But, but will you actually try the patience of God too? You mean you do that to God too? And he sees right through his hypocrisy. Verse 14, the Jesus moment coming up. Therefore, the Lord himself, you won't ask me for a sign, Ahaz? Tell you what. God himself is going to give you a sign anyway. And this is it. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Boom. There it is. Have you ever heard that? As Matthew in the first chapter of the, of the New Testament, as he records the angel appearing to Joseph and saying, this son Mary's bearing, he's the son of God. You call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And immediately Matthew quotes this because this is the fulfillment of the Christmas story before the Christmas story. This is what God promised that old reprobate Ahaz. He said, you, you're playing games with me. You're a hypocrite. You're evil. You're turning your back on me. You don't even trust me, but I'm still going to break in on your world. And I'm going to give you this sign. A virgin is going to conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Say those three words with me. God with us with us, a sign that God's going to be with you, Ahaz. And this is exactly what Matthew quotes as he talks about the angel speaking to Joseph. He said, this is in fulfillment. This is what God is up to. He's up to with you. Who knows what else you're depending on? Who knows the games you're playing? But in spite of that, in unconditional love, God is making a way to be with you anyway. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. For King Ahaz, 
this would have likely meant an unmarried woman probably somewhere in the royal family, Ahaz's royal family. There's a, there's a woman presently unmarried, and she is going to bear a child. And that child is going to be like a peace sign. That child is going to be the sign that God's breaking in. And God's going to be with you in the face of hopeless odds that are stacked against you right now. God is going to be your deliverer. He's going to be with you. And for Ahaz, this meant that somebody probably in the royal family, a young unmarried lady at the moment when Isaiah is speaking, does indeed have a child. And Isaiah goes on to say, before that child knows right from wrong, and before that child can eat adult food. So probably, in other words, before that child is even a year old, God is going to keep his promise. And he is going to crush your enemies coming against you and bring you deliverance. This child becomes this God with us, this Emmanuel child. I mean, there were literally, he was, Ahaz was literally supposed to name that child Emmanuel God with us. It was a sign of God breaking in. It was a sign of peace. It was a sign of deliverance from our enemies. It was a sign of freedom from oppression and freedom from fear. It was the picture of what Jesus has come to do in your life and mine. And sure enough, we know from history that within about a year of this moment, the Assyrians come in and crush these two northern kings that were attacking Ahaz. And they do it in the region that we now know as Galilee. And it's that that propels our story into the future. For this is what I like to think of as the Galilee promise. For two chapters later, Isaiah writes this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Think of it. That, that's what God's pointing to in your life in our lives, someday in our world when Jesus comes again, there's going to be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, which is the land of Galilee. He said he humbled them, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Because, next verse, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has shone. There is going to be a light start to shine in Galilee. I'm going to bring you your victory, Ahaz, in the land of Galilee. Others are going to come in and crush your enemies, and there's going to be a light shining. But he's talking about something that is yet to come. And it's amazing that when Jesus started his public ministry 700 years later, where did he put his ministry center? Was it in Jerusalem? No. Where Ahaz was? No. He went to Galilee. And Matthew and Matthew 4 describing this, of how Jesus sets up his ministry center in Capernaum on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, right in the heart of the region of Galilee. Matthew in chapter 4 at the, in the New Testament actually quotes those two verses I just read out of Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. This is the triumph of, of God with us. This is God's sign of peace and deliverance and freedom. 
And sure enough, Jesus marches not to Jerusalem, but he marches to Galilee and sets up his ministry center. And the light begins to shine in that line, land. But when Isaiah was written this, writing this, he, I, I could imagine Isaiah thinking in his mind, like, how could this ever happen? How could this ever happen? But he tells us four verses later. Verse 6. For to us, how can this happen? Well, for to us a child is born. And to us a son is given. God's going to bring the child who will not only be the symbol of peace, but he will be the champion of peace. He will be the peacemaker and the peace bringer. Because the government will be on his shoulders. Unto us a child is born. We, we sing Christmas carols to those words. Written 700 years before our Christmas. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Just let those words penetrate into your heart. And the government will be on President Biden's shoulders. Mm, no. And the government will be on Premier Xi's shoulders in China. No. And the government will be on Putin's shoulders. No, the, the government will be on the Ayatollah of Iran's shoulders. No. I mean, China, Russia, Iran, any one of those three nations in the next few months could trigger World War III. But thank God, God says that's not going to be the end of the story if and when it ever happens. But he says there is a son born, there is a child given, and upon his shoulders will be the government, and uh, will be the government, and he will be called a vicious dictator, an obnoxious tyrant. No, 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 no. This is God with us. He will be called the wonderful counselor. He will always call the shots correctly. He will be called the mighty God with power over anything in this world that we might depend on. He will be called the everlasting Father. We have a Father who's broke into our world. We were stubborn. We were obnoxious, just like King Ahaz. But God says, okay, you're still playing games with me, but that doesn't limit my love, my unconditional love for you. I'll give you a sign anyway. A virgin will conceive and bear a child, and you will name that child, God is with me. And this is it. And he will be the prince of peace and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be, there's a kind of Christmas three coming. Christmas one, 700 years BC, our Christmas, Christmas two, and there's a day Jesus is coming back. Won't look like a baby with no crying he makes. I've never believed that Christmas carol. I'm sure he cried like everybody else because he entered into your tears and mine. But he's coming again. It's not going to be an innocent little baby. He's going to be a warrior on a white horse, finally bringing what we yearn for, finally bringing justice to our world. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Here are my four takeaways. Let me just walk through them. One, two, three, four. First of all, the birth of a deliverer to a virgin is no myth and no mistake. 
This script was written 700 years before it happened. A virgin will be with child, and you will call him Emmanuel. Number two, God's grace is tangibly real and totally unexplainable. I mean, Ahaz is playing games with God. He's evil, he's wicked, he does horrible things even to his own family. And he is being threatened. You say, God, you say, let those kings trample him. But when God sent Emmanuel to our world, he hung him on a cross 33 years later after he was born. And he took our sin and your sin on himself. He shed his blood to wash us clean. And he rose from the dead so we could be born again, so that we could have new life. This is God who, who did something for me I did not deserve. This is, this is God's grace, tangibly real and totally unexplainable. Something sometimes squirms and even screams, God, I don't deserve this. No, I got to earn it somehow. I got to make it happen. But Emmanuel, God's with us, breaks into our world even though we haven't deserved it. And he just in spite of your spotty or your terrible track record, in spite of the games you may play with God or I may be tempted to play with God, he comes in with grace. He said, you won't even ask for a sign. Well, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to step in. Thank God for his grace. We sang it this morning. His goodness. It didn't say we're running after his goodness. We sang this morning, his goodness is running after us. And so, number three, at some point, at some point, God wants to confront our unbelief and show himself real. May he do that to you this Christmas season. May he, I don't know how he'll do it if you're playing games with him, but may he get past those things. May he get your attention. And may God with me become real and actual in your life. But Jesus didn't come to conform to the world. He came to confront the world that would substitute everything else and give itself to demonic power rather than him. Some got point God wants to confront our unbelief and he wants to show himself real to us. May he do it this Christmas. And I'm also struck, as we just read that last verse, that this is not just for us, but it's for the nations that Jesus will someday rule. We're a part of a much bigger story than just your story or my story. For he says of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end to it. There will be no end to it. This is about the nations. I'm thinking about this a lot right now. In the week between Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, Sandy and I will be in another country of the world, and we will be doing a, speaking five times at a missionary retreat for some of the God missionaries out of the Arab world. And... Uh, it's going to be a great privilege being with these heroes who are helping us extend our global footprint in anticipation of that day, calling the nations to himself. And, and it's amazing what's already beginning to happen as, as people are coming to Christ. Um, Muslims are having, in the Arab world, are having dreams and visions of Jesus. God's breaking in even when they're not calling on him. And, giving them an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And Jesus is actually building his church in some of the hardest parts of the world. We're going to be there with them. My good friend Mark Renfro and Amy, I think, I can't see them, but I think they're here in this service and some of their family. They've been a part of our church for several years. 
and they've given their lives. When I first met them is when they were in the Arab world serving, and uh, this is their last Sunday with us. They're going to Colorado Springs to become the chief missions officers of, of uh, World Challenge. But I'm grateful for people like that who see the vision of, of all the nations being included in the story. So this is it. It's global and it's local. It starts with Jesus stepping into your life. And then, and then we're a part of what he does all over the world. This is it. This is not just for us, but it's for the nations that Jesus will sometime day rule when he comes again. But meanwhile, we're trying to, we're trying to share the truth of the gospel, this wonderful story of God with us in Jesus with as many people as we can. It starts with your heart, and it starts with mine. Hallelujah. A virgin shall be with child. And you shall call his name God with us. Hallelujah. It does not get better than that. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me, please? Mm -hmm.